Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and my co-host, Christian Conway. Much like Starship 10, I am ready for launch and ready to land. It is Season 3, Episode 2 of Simply Soccer. Welcome to us and welcome back, as Greg Vanny said. I mean, that was that was so cool. <laughs> yes, and I don't want to jump ahead because I know I how excited we are to talk about the Galaxy um, but the U.S. women national team wins again. She believes Cup to no one's surprise. Um, I definitely think that you can always bet that the U.S. women national team are going to be stellar, even on their sluggish days, sloppiest plays, and that they are going to score goals. So we were, you know, Christian and I were saying that. The match against Argentina was similar to that of Thailand, is that it was a 6-0 one-sided game. Um, I thought, you know, Canada's always this rivalry, and yeah, they were a last slip-in because, you know, Japan was this unknown due to COVID. But I think that the, the you know, the, the Brazil and Canada gave the, the women uh, a run for their money. I really do think... Yeah, and I think with the Canada game, I think that's just your typical rivalry game, right? Where, you know, when both teams go in there ready for a fight. Um, again, this, this, I mean, the, this, the, the story of this tournament for me, I mean, the USA-Canada game was, you know, Canada gave them a little bit of a struggle. It looked like uh, a disjointed U.S. team. I think that was oddly intentional because Black Kononofsky came out and said this tournament is basically an open audition for the Tokyo Olympics, which again, open questions about if it's even going to happen at this point. But um, so, so he played a lot of starting 11s that I was, uh, it, it felt like dissimilar parts, but he was auditioning players. So like, I, I understand why he did it. Um, I think, I mean, the USA Canada game was probably the, the biggest example of that, if you will. I mean, I don't think, you know, in, in a, in a must win game, I don't think this is the starting 11 he chooses. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Midge Purse at, at outside back is probably not the right option um, in a, in a must-win game. I think she's got a huge upside. You know, I don't think Katarina Macario starts in a must-win game because, you know, of, of her lack of experience. She's still so young. Um, but, you know, she has proven that, you know, at, at Leon, she, she's she's going to be a force. Um, I think disappointing this tournament was Len Williams for me. I think I, – I, I know Vlatko sees a lot in her game. I'm not necessarily sure if I see what he sees. Um, but also keep in mind this, this team was hamstrung by a couple of other things. I mean, you know, Tobin Heath isn't there because of, of injury and, and, um, and Mm -hmm. coronavirus concerns in terms of quarantining when she would go back to Manchester United. And she's been so critical for that team. You know, they're like, it's players like that, you know, like, I don't know necessarily if we saw what the United States best 11 is at any point during this tournament because it was this tournament was never designed to be that for the United States, if that makes sense. But what I will say is, I mean, at times, and especially in the game against Brazil, because Brazil probably gave them the toughest test. Cause I mean, there was moments where I, I remember texting you saying like, Ooh, you know, like Dabinia has got to do better there. Or like, you know, Marta has got to finish that. But outside of like maybe three chances, Brazil, who's probably in the top five of nations in the women's game. I mean, the United States just looked unbothered and like, it almost looked like they were like at times just swanning off a fly. That was annoying. That was like, you know, just, okay, you know, go away. Um, but I got I, the one player I will highlight from this tournament. And I know Rose Lavelle won MVP of the tournament. 
attacking players always win MVP. It's just the reality of the world. Um, the one player I will highlight that probably should have won MVP, but she's a defensive player, so therefore they don't get those kind of awards. Um, because you, again, you, as I've always said, you know, normal people don't go to a soccer match to watch someone pitch a nil-nil draw. Um, is Crystal Dunn? I mean, Crystal Dunn was phenomenal in this tournament. I mean, she's. It's funny because I always, you know, I I've always loved Crystal Dunn. I always think she's. I've always thought she's like a phenomenal player, and yet I almost feel like I've underrated her. And yet she's, and I've always said she's probably one of the best players on this team. And yet I've always felt like, and after watching this tournament, I almost feel like I've underrated her. Like she was brilliant. I mean, that Kristen Press Crystal Dunn combination in attack against Brazil, Brazil had no answers for. I mean, legitimately none. And you know, Kristen Press has had a phenomenal, you know, twelve to sixteen months, but Crystal Dunn was the main driver of that attack. Like she's so good. Like. I mean, she's brilliant on defense. I mean, the, the, the goal-saving tackle she made, that might have been a handball, but, again, handball law is a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I just downloaded uh, the, the – so if, if you are a laws of the game head, uh, IFAB, the, uh, the governing body of the laws of the game, has an app that you can literally download the entire laws of the game on your phone. So I have that now. Um, but she – like, it's it's the fact of the matter is that Crystal Dunn doesn't play outside back for her club. She plays winger. And yet, like, so we saw with Joss's artist years ago where Bruce Arena valiantly tried to convert him into a defender. Um, It was never going to work. But, like, wingers don't necessarily make good outside backs. She just, she's, she's so, like, I don't know. Like, her defensive awareness is incredibly gifted. But she knows how to she, – she's the modern outside back in the sense that she knows exactly the moment when to turn defense into attack. She knows exactly the moment to get up into the attack and in, into the opponent box. She knows exactly those moments. And I think it makes the United States so much more dangerous in attack because all of a sudden all the angles change because now all of a sudden Crystal Dunn is pressing into your box. Like it changes the way that – the attack angles operate in a way that I don't think a lot of defenses have an op- an answer for. Yeah, you said it. Um, I I was you know looking at because again the the Olympics are are coming and and you're thinking well okay for sure done makes makes a start right. Yeah. Um, as for everybody else, where you know it, it is this this kind of musical chairs of of rosters. I mean in in a in terms of, you know, who who else they have. I mean, it's it's good to have that depth. Um, obviously, with you know, Tobin Heath getting healthy and coming back, then she's obviously going to be vying for for that spot. Um, and then we have to see what what condition she'll be in to even be coming back. Um, Rapino to me is always uh, remarkable, especially to be playing at at her age. And then Alex Morgan, who obviously had a baby and bounced back and, you know, to come back and, and play in still tip top shape. Um, this, this U S women's national team is always so resilient. Um, I think also mm -hmm. with on the Alex Morgan front, I think her scoring in this tournament was a really big deal for her. Oh, absolutely. Proving that, you know, she's, she's still, Still 
you know, <laughs> not still got it, but you know, I mean, you know, coming back from having the kid and, and kind of rushing her come her her return and her conditioning, I think that was kind of a big confidence booster for her in terms of just you know, kind of like okay, you know, we're we're, we're back in business. I think this is very interesting in terms of the fact that there's going to be some very big names that mess out on the Olympics because it's, mm. again, as, as I keep stressing, it's a smaller roster. Like it is, it's not 23 players, it's 18. I think there's some players that, and, and, and I feel kind of, I almost feel for Vlatko in a certain respect because it's an embarrassment of riches that he has to basically tell a lot of very good players that um, you're not going to the, to the Olympics. But the other thing about it is, there's a lot of players that played themselves into this conversation about, you know, maybe they dirt deserve to be on the Olympic roster. I mean, uh, the one player that sticks out to me the most is, is Christy Mewis, um, who, mm-hmm. you know, has absolutely revitalized her career. And I mean, she had a phenomenal, she believes cup as off the subs events, you know, like, you know, Katarina Macario, she was brilliant. And, in, in, in the, the limited appearances we saw of her, because unfortunately she had to return to her club, um, uh, Lyon in France because of, uh, of, um, uh, quarantine restrictions. Um, it's, you know, like, it's funny because I think if, if I'm Vlatko, you're, you're almost hoping that some players play themselves out of the picture so that it makes the decision a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but no one did. I mean, like if, if any one player did, it was Lynn Williams. And even then my complaint about her was, well, she didn't score, but she like at least looked good for most of the game she played. Like this, yeah, definitely. Is, mm-hmm. this is a phenomenal problem to have. And yet at the same time, it's got to be one of the most perplexing problems to have for Black Ondanovsky because he's going to have to tell a lot of players that have, have really raised their form to make this Olympic roster. Unfortunately, you're not going. And that's – I have a feeling the Tournament of Nations coming up in, this, in, uh, in, in their early summer, uh, late spring, early summer, is going, to, is going to be the second round of these auditions, so to speak, for the Olympic roster. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's got some very difficult decisions coming up ahead. Well, um, you know, it's good that they have another tournament to for Vlatko to be able to to make that assessment because you know, um, as you were talking about Dunn, um, as I was rewatching highlights, I I was actually impressed with Haran, but then the more that you were talking, I was like, you know, Haran was doing her job; she's in the space that she should be in, right? Um, and under Andonovsky, she's gonna she's gonna be playing wide, and she's gonna be there to be able to get the ball in. Um, you know, and then that's what that's what these ladies do, you know. Well, um, uh-huh. Lindsay Horan, what I think her job is on the national team is a bit like uh, Nigel de Jong, which is just basically be the most physical presence on the field. And I mean, there were some challenges where I thought she was playing a little bit of football there, like actual like American football, like linebacker-esque tackles. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because it's a problem within a problem that midfield, right? Like, mm-hmm you have so many talented midfielders, you know, what, and again, I, I, I mentioned this concept often, but I think it's a very important concept when it comes to good teams, which is balance, you know, like how do you balance a midfield out? You know, you need to have like the shuttler, the defensive presence and the creative presence. And then what theoretically in a four, three, three, which is, I think what black on thinking, but you know, he might go to the four, two, three, one, which allows him a little bit more uh, breathing room in terms of getting some of these talented midfielders on. I mean, there is a world in this team where Roosevelt doesn't start. Like, do I agree with it? Not particularly, but do I understand it? I, I get it. You know, like spark off the bench and she can, she can punish um, the other teams for, for fouls and mistakes and things like oh, yeah. that. 
she's she's she did she's the ultimate she's the ultimate in terms of master keys like she can unlock any defense she faces but you know in 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 the in the scope of things you know she doesn't necessarily play good defense and she's 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 a luxury player and you know do you want to start a midfield with a luxury player in it and i understand the u.s women's national team the margins are a little different than any other national team program in the world but you know maybe in the balance of things rose Lavelle doesn't necessarily make sense as a starter but you know then mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. you know we you know sammy mewis like she makes a ton of sense you know start like it, there's so many good midfielders that have so many um similar traits that it makes it very difficult to figure out a balance in this midfield in a way that I'm really glad I'm not the U.S. Women's National Team manager is what I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I was also going to add, and I lost my notes. Well, anyways. Also, we didn't didn't see Andy Sullivan or Morgan, um, Morgan Bryan, now Morgan uh, Gautrot after um, her happy marriage. Like, we didn't see them in this tournament. Like, Again, you just keep rolling mm, off names that we didn't see, see, and it's like, it's not just, like, this 18 is not easy to form. And and the thing is, I think what's also very interesting, and something that I think is a very, uh, kind of a, a salient point that I kind of was thinking during the Brazil game, was that Brazil was really good at forcing, Vlako Nanovsky kind of gets the modern concept of the fact of the matter is that if you want to be an effective team in attack, it's all about shortening the field, which means that your line, like where you start, like the back of your attack is, you know, a third of the way into your opponent's half. And it's all about just compressing your opponent into moments of just constant, like chaos and, 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 and movement. Brazil was really good about breaking that. And Brazil was really good about counterpressing the United States. Yeah, I can't imagine if they had been their full team, if they hadn't been missing players and, and things like that, that what that would have looked like. Well, the, um, thing about the, mm-hmm. the, the, the key to me about it is all of that whole entire compression and changing angles and creating moments of chaos, you need to have very good ball-playing center backs. I don't know, and, and I understand he's named her captain, and I get all of that. I'm not necessarily sure Becky Sauerbrunn's a good center or a, a good ball playing center back. She's a brilliant defender. She knows how to like, mm-hmm. you know, put out fires. I don't know if she's necessarily good with her feet in attacking context. And the problem is that, so remember that galaxy team with AJ De La Garza and Omar Gonzalez and that oh, back yeah. and forth and how good they were. <laughs> well, the whole yes. entire point of that was that Omar Gonzalez was the guy that put out the emergencies. And then AJ was the guy that kind of started the attack from the center back position. I don't know if necessarily Black Coast figured out that balance with a pairing with Becky Sauerbrunn. And he looks like he's committed to her. I'm, a, I'm like, I'm really cool with that. I love Becky Sauerbrunn. She's amazing. Um, she literally bled for the United States Women's National Team to win a World mm. Cup. Um, mm. I respect that level of commitment. I just don't know if we figured out the balance in the center backs just yet. And, and it's between Dahl Kemper and Davidson. And out of the two, I personally prefer Davidson because I think she's a little bit better with her feet. Um, but I, 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 in the Tournament of Nations, and they play two friendlies in Europe upcoming, I'd like to see that pairing finally ironed out and figured out because a center-back pairing is all about reps. So, Yeah, so definitely lots to look, up, to look out for. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And, and again, narrowing down. I mean, you know, as somebody who's followed uh, U.S. Women's National Team 
you all of these names are familiar everybody that you've you've mentioned it's you know like you said it's just like like chess it's just figuring out where they fit and where they go and under yeah. Andonovsky, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at call-ups over the past 12 months, and I mean, like, there's names on here that, like, I could make a strong argument that they should be in the team. Like, mm-hmm. Jess McDonald, how good she was off the bench in France in 2019. Like, Kiali Watt, like, we talked about her when we were doing our uh, Challenge Cup coverage, how good she was. Like, mm-hmm. Mallory Pugh, like, is, oh, it no, finally, the young... <laughs> is it finally going to happen for her? Like, Yeah. But then you also talk about, like, you know, do you want experience? You can bring Ally Krieger. She's... Still got it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. goalkeeper is an open question. I mean, I I love Alyssa Nair, but you know, she's thirty two, and I, I mean, we got to start figuring out about who's going to take over for that for her. And I mean, I feel kind of bad for Alyssa Nair because she was always in the shadow of Hope Solo, and like, she was a goalkeeper that served as much conversation. Like, is it going to be Jane Campbell? Is it going to be Ashlyn Harris? Is it going? Well, Ashlyn Harris probably ages out, but is it going to be Aubrey Budslow? She's been brilliant for the Spirit. Like, there's so many like. I'm so used to talking about really negative questions around a team when it comes to the galaxy that I'm really excited to talk about really positive questions. But these are questions that this competition is good, right? Like this Mm -hmm. competition for positions for wanting to be on the team is very good. However, I will caution this can consume a team because it just starts to create infighting because, oh, if she's in and I'm not, you know, like I'm not a big fan of her and the United States women's national team ever since 99 has done a very good job of cultivating at least in the locker room a very uh, they've been very good about not letting that competition get to them mm-hmm. that, that's a difficult balance and there's going to be like for example like players like Carly Lloyd and as you said Rapino and 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 Sauerbrunn, like the time is coming where they're going to have to be moved on not because yeah. But because, you know, they're, they're stop-gapping talent that needs to get games. Yes. It, it's a very interesting transition of, you know, you have a lot of these women who, who can play well until their 30s. I mean, look at Rapinoe, right? And so, again, like you said, like, it, it is time to get the Mallory Pews to get these young players up. I mean, while, they, while they're on a team with veterans and, and they can get all that advantage in those takeaways... Um, I think it's, it's a very delicate dance mm-hmm. and that's that, like, so 2000, what was it? 2013, 14. Um, basically the program said, you know, like there was a lot of older players in the program. We need to start moving them on, start getting young talent. And they hire in Tom Sermani and Tom Sermani went about it in kind of a pretty heavy handed way, which basically told a lot of veterans, like you're no longer on the team. Mm. and a lot of the veteran corps just didn't take it well, and then he was fired. For, he lost the locker room. He was fired for, for sure. Him. Yeah, so, I don't see that I, happening. Yeah, with Antonovsky, I don't. I don't either, but again, it is a very def- a, a very delicate dance that he's involved in, and and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Blackco's the one to do it because he has such cachet with the NWSL. He has, you know, he's he's well-known in American soccer circles. Um, he seems to be a very generous and kind person, Um and maybe Tom Sermani and his his very Scottish way of doing things probably angered a couple of people. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's going to be a very delicate dance. And I think that dance begins at the Olympics with this Olympic roster. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, of course, you, you love Carly Lloyd. You love, you know, the usual, like I said, the very <laughs> familiar names. Eh, okay. Yeah, we love Carly Lloyd. 
<laughs> okay, well, you respect her for what she's done for the team. Uh, but <laughs> okay, you love Rosabelle. Um, yes, so of course you, you want to you want to see, yeah, you want to see Lavelle start. You want to see, but you, but like you said, like you you understand you understand where a lot of these players can fit, um, especially as as we transition here. So. Um, I think it's really exciting and stay tuned. There's, there's plenty more women's soccer where that came from. Oh, yes. All right. So, you know, as you're, as you're talking about, uh, the roster, I, I can't help but but yeah, you know how you made the, the connection with, uh, De La Garza and, and Omar. I, that's what my brain was doing as you were talking too. I was like, okay, wait, wait for the galaxy stuff. Cause it's coming. <laughs> Always, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be there, you know. And and obviously the the women, you know, they stand on their own and they they have all their own credit and and things like that. Uh, but but you know, your galaxy brain can't help but but notice the look at what's working for the U.S. women. Hey, maybe the galaxy can learn a lesson or two for you know what what their roster needs because there's definitely still holes shoes to fill. You know, yeah. I, I I agree that. And, and Greg Vanny kind of alluded to this where he said recently, you know, like there's there's six to eight players that we're on the verge of bringing in. Obviously, at the time of record, like literally as we hit record, they announced one of them, which is Derek Williams, the, mm-hmm. the, the defender from from uh, England. Um, so, you know, I think obviously there is still a lot left to do with this team like they, there is. But, uh, you know, I mean, they bring in Derek Williams from everything I've seen. If he can overcome injury concerns, which, I mean, how many times have we heard that before with a Galaxy defender? Um, yeah. Then he's going to be very good. Um, according to to some sources, he was probably the best uh, defender in the championship over the past year um, while he was healthy. Um, he's dealing with what I believe to be a, I want to get the muscle right, uh, a calf injury. I um, had surgery on it. Uh, so he's he's obviously recovering from surgery. Um, if that recovery goes well, then I'm I'm kind of stoked about this um i from everything i can i can find um this is kind of the perfect signing um it also indicates to me that uh craig vanny has seen a couple of training sessions and realizes what we've all realized which is that Giancarlo gonzalez isn't good um so other reasons to have um Derek Williams is, you know, he doesn't take an international spot he has an american passport um and of course the money, the transaction, the Galaxy acquired the discovery rights uh, to Derek Williams in a trade with DC United for 125000 in GAM money. And um, the trade is contingent on the player formally being added to the club's roster during the MLS transfer window. So, uh, you know, with, with a player riddled with injuries like this, you got, you know, that might answer why the Galaxy would invest in someone like this. Well, also, I mean, he's he's got time to heal, right? Like, I mean, it's he doesn't have, you know, he, there's not really a ton of pressure right now to, like, rush him into the starting 11 because, I mean, we don't play for another month um, also. Well, that and, and then, you know, the, the Galaxy do seem to be building from the back um, in terms of defenders. That, that That is something that the Galaxy look to have depth in right uh, now. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, they, you know, they go out I and hesitate sign, to say that. <laughs> they, go, they go out and sign, you know... Uh, Jalen Neal and 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 really try to you know focus on the on the defense, which I think is kind of important considering the uh, the state of the Galaxy defense over the past probably three years. Um, and Williams is six one and he's one hundred sixty five pounds, so he's he's pretty solid back there. Yeah, I mean he's yeah 
he's not gonna you know he's not gonna truck dudes over but he's right I'm interested to see the one thing I'm interested to see is in in terms of Greg Bainey's systems usually is they kind of do the same thing with Flacco where they do rely on a a ball playing center back and I and and I felt Daniel Starys has been decent with his feet if not great um so I'm interested to see how how good he is um with with you know with his feet with you know uh, his his awareness on the field turning defense into attack. I mean, he he his youth career was at Aston Villa. Aston Villa has usually got a pretty good track record of of developing good players. So um, I'm not necessarily. I think this is a good signing from from everything that like. And again, you know, it's it's a question of rubber to the road, and and you know, we haven't seen it yet. But yeah, that's what I was gonna say. We need to see everybody how they're performing. But they started uh, the Galaxy started voluntary trainings obviously with covid safety guidelines um and we've we've already got clips of vanny's not only um giving speeches to the teams but they mic'd him while what during training and and you get to you just get to hear just such a, a difference you know um yeah i'm not trying to knock gbs and or anything like that or, or even make comparisons because this is a whole new you know, the whole reason you get somebody like Vanny is because you know what he can do and, and they seem to get it. Um, he seems to get it and and that the Galaxy need to reclaim. Of course, we're we're all vying for trophies here, but it's it's just being competitive again, getting getting the identity back. So I really liked when he said, um, you know, nothing is neutral. You're you're either going towards success or you're not. And I I really just felt like you know, that this is, he admitted that, you know, what is the new standard? But yeah. all we, all we know is that, you know, we're like, he knows what this club is about and he knows why, why he's hired and to get there. Yeah. And, and I think you pointed at something that I, I, I've been kind of feeling over the past couple of days, just kind of prepping for this episode and just thinking mm-hmm. about things, which is that it just feels better. Like everything kind of just feels better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, that the, the, the speech they released on the uh, socials, which like, you know, to paraphrase, cause I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but it basically said like, here's day one of setting up a framework for multiple, t- multiple titles. It wasn't mm-hmm. just about like, we want to win MLS cup. It was about we're winning multiple things. And I think that's a very important thing that I don't think we've had a head coach walk in in a while and say, I understand that I have to create a framework in order for us to win. Like, I think, you know, and feel like the coach is going to stick around. Cause like we keep firing coaches. Like, yeah. And, and the thing about it, with, understandably with, so, but yeah. With, uh-huh. with Guillermo is that, you know, I don't know necessarily if Guillermo ever got it. Like in a way, like right. I think this, when we talk about like head coaches, like in the galaxy, I mean, the galaxy has this certain cachet in MLS circles. And it's like, I, it's easy from the outside looking in to say, and, and Guillermo's coached at some of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest jobs in the world, which is Boca. Like, I get it. But I don't think Guillermo ever kind of got it in an American, co- or like an American soccer context where like, you know, he, he can walk into the job and say like, oh, it's a big job. I'm going to do it. But like, Greg gets it. Vanny gets it. Like, and he's lived it. And I think that's the important thing, which is like, that's why I think a lot of people were clamoring for Robbie Keane was that Keane's lived it. Keane gets it. He's won here. You know, he gets it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously we, I, I think when the, the Keane conversations were really beginning, it was kind of in our wildest dreams that Vanny would ever be available. Um, but I just think Vanny gets it in a way that I don't think a head coach since maybe Bruce has really gotten it. I mean, Siggy got it, but Siggy also had a really complicated relationship with, 
both the front office and then also had you know his health issues. Um, but I don't think really we've had a head coach. I mean, I think he gets I think he got it, but you know he was obviously kind of in a in a place where he couldn't really you know ex- or he couldn't really express that. Vanny's in a place where like Vanny is gets it, and it's clear that he gets it. And you know, as you said, you watch the training sessions, you watch that speech that they put out. It's they're playing in different margins right now, and that's awesome. Yeah, and um, it looks like Tecloce and and Vanny have a plan. You know, Ex- exactly. Not sure. You know, like like we said, like what 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 are we besides trophies and championships like you know that we're working for but um i i definitely feel like like you said it just it just feels better it just feels like like they know what they're doing you know <laughs> yeah um with with who they've got on their roster i mean i know that the signings are still kind of light um i mean the last one was february 17th the uh, carlos harvey who we already were familiar with so what were well, you going to say? Uh-huh. Well, the other thing is, I mean, they're linked to this uh, this young French winger, uh, Samuel Granser, who I probably mispronounced that last name, but I don't speak French again. Um, and and hopefully that works out. You know, 24, he's played for, for Monaco and Strasbourg and, and, and Brescht. Um, so he's played for some pretty big clubs. Um, didn't have the greatest of goes at Monaco, um, but, you know, was was a pretty consistent starter at Stade de Brescht. Um, so, you know, the, hopefully, you know, he kind of, you know, 24 with the right coach, you can unlock a ton of talent there. Um, hopefully that works out because um, they probably need a winger. Um, I think it's also maybe a quiet, them being linked to him might be a quiet admittance that Pavone's not coming back, um, which mm. again, that's that's a very complex issue. That It, I, it is, and we're still kind of waiting for that to play out because I, I definitely think our counterparts think that they will sign Pavone. So we'll see. Well, um, it, well, Pavone has basically said that he's never going to play for Boca again in his life, which is a bit Fine. bold. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I, I, I think, you know, if they can get, you know, the, the signing, the, at least, you know, the, this Derek Williams signing, you know, signing Carlos Harvey, who was a pretty reliable sub, you know, it, it just feels like they're, it, it feels like everyone's finally kind of gotten on the same, wave, same wavelength. Like Vanny works really well with Dennis Tecosa, it seems like. Like everyone kind of is working in the same direction. Whereas I think in previous years, it feels like it felt or it felt like at least um everyone was going in different ways. And, you know, finally we've got the Academy on side, you know, with Ferrancus and Neil and and um I see more signings with G two, I'm just saying. Like <laughs> Which I'm okay with. No, that's good. That's good. No, 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 no it's good because yeah, that's what that's what Tecosa is, you know, top to bottom, right? Like that's what yeah. they're trying to do. And, and 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 having G two signings means one day they could be G one signings, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I like, and maybe the signings like Frank Neil and, and oh, the academy, one more academy kid that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, maybe it's because they're scarred by losing, you know, Ulysses Lanes and 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 Alex Mendez and and Soto, mm-hmm. and and they're scarred by that. So therefore, it's a natural reaction to kind of want to keep them into the orbit as quickly as possible maybe it's that or maybe it's the fact that you know they see something here and they want to actually start the synergy between you know finally this finally some level of synergy between the first team los dos and the academy and create that link you know i i I, i'm hoping it's that it might be the the fact that they're scarred and you know 
they're reacting to that. But I think if they can keep that synergy, then we're starting to create a club culture that is going to be very profitable. Not well, profitable is a weird word. Very successful over the the coming generations of players. Like, you know, if you look at my my platonic ideal for the LA Galaxy is basically FC Dallas but wins trophies, right? Like FC Dallas is so good at turning talent into first team players that then they move on to Europe and FC Dallas makes a ton of money. I mean, Chris Richards at Bayern is probably the most obvious example of that. But they moved Reggie Cannon to uh, Boa Vista in, in, in Portugal and like all this other stuff. But they, they just don't win things. Um, to be that, but winning things, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. A- absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you know. And, and sprinkle in an aging European superstar every now and then and we're good to go. Oh, yeah. Per the usual, right? Um, <laughs> and, and our aging superstar happens to be Chicharito. Right he's now. thirty. He's thirty-three. He's not aging. Uh, actually, Chicharito's training videos are this like weird Rocky level montage of things, and I'm like, that's what I was not, gonna say. He's, he's not, well, not exactly I have the tiger yet to one of them. Like, come on. Yeah, not <laughs> um, exactly that. What I meant is like you can tell he's he's trying his best to get fit, and I don't know that he's trying to bulk up, but definitely get them get them muscles ready. <laughs> well, the thing is, he's saying all the right things, right? Like. He's saying all the right things. And this is what I've always felt about Chicharito is that he, he is, he is every single time he's gone in front of the media or every single time he's talked about his time with the galaxy so far, he's kind of always said the right things. Cause he said to Kevin Baxter in an interview with the LA times where he said, you know, like I have a debt to the fans and like, you know, I, I have to prove, you know, that I, I'm worth it. And like, I have a debt to them and, and, and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on last season, just simply because it was such a weird season. You know, mm-hmm. you don't expect, you don't expect a world cup style tournament um, I think, you know, if you watch the video of arriving in LA, you know, with, with the, the massive crowds, he looked legitimately terrified. Um, so I think he just had, I think he just had a w- weird year and like, I'm willing to, it was, him- it really was a weird year and, and it was a weird COVID year and you know, what a, what a way to have to start. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think. If you give him a normal season, which this is going to be decently, it's not necessarily going to be a fully normal season, but it will yeah, be decent. Yeah, going to be close. like, yeah, they're talking about having fans in the stadium, but I don't know if I'm ready for that. Then I think we could, and, and, and again, it's also a question of you have to put, I said this when we signed Chicharito, it's like, you have to put the system around Chicharito in order for it to be successful. I think yeah. Greg Vanny's comments about, you know, kind of saying like, I want him to be good. I want him to, you know, score goals, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think Greg Vanny is going to, but then again, we get in this very dangerous conversation of, is it really smart to build a system around a single player? I mean, we did that with Walter <laughs> Ibrahimovic. I was going to say it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but at least he's going to build a system that plays to Chicharito's strengths, which can only be good for him. It's a question of him scoring those goals. Yeah. I mean, we have to at this point, just because like I said, like they're building the back, the midfield is, is not as crowded as it was. Um, and then your forwards are going to be who they are. I don't really see that changing. So they definitely, Vanny has to, has to work with Chicharito. Like he has to be able to knock those goals back. Um, and then like you, you were kind of saying like you need that, that center back ball player. Um, yeah. I think with Chicharito, you know, I think, well, the other thing is, you know, if, if, if they really wanted to be bold, they could go out and sign, you know, a, a, a decent player out of South, or you know, a decent striker out of either South America or like a, a, an Eastern European team in 
in in Europe, um, Eastern European team in Europe. Stupid. Um, but uh, they they could go out and find someone that could put some pressure on Chicharito. I don't think Ethan Zubak threatens Chicharito in terms of like, hey, like no, I got. I just don't game. trust Zubak. Um, well, mainly because also Ethan Zubak doesn't have the same resume as Chicharito. Um, I think well, just know, because of what I saw. But you know what? It's a yeah. new new season. I guess give the give the kid a chance again. I just I, say I think, that so dejectedly. Well, I think they probably need to go and sign another striker in addition. In, in that sixth, right? In, but will they though? Do you really like a fourth one? You really think so? Well, yes. that's 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 the trouble that I'm having. I mean, yeah, I hope so, but um, I think out of that six to eight, they've already started by signing a defender. I think they need to sign another left back, so that's two. The winger, uh, uh, Gronso, three. Then the other three, I think they need defensive cover for in case Jonathan Dos Santos goes down injured often again, mm-hmm. um, which I hope, I hope is not the case because I ordered his jersey and I really want him to not be injured. Um, but, if, but you probably need defensive midfield cover, so that's four. And then on those last two, I mean, maybe a striker and maybe another winger. I think that's probably where they go. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of possibility on this roster and i know i stressed mm-hmm. patience in the last episode and i'm using a lot of p words when it comes to the season <laughs> but but i'd stress patience and possibility as the two words so far that i've I'm, I'm feeling about this team right now under greg vanny well like you were saying where it, it feels better and they're getting it right they already did with the community kit it is a nod to our Pasadena past. It really embraces, I mean, it's it's got everything. <laughs> you know, it's got the quasars, it's got the our obviously our stars, if you if you got the authentic one. Um the the honey patch is new. <laughs> you know, um but but I definitely am wearing the jersey right now as as we speak. And you got yours already? I already got mine. I have it on. Yes, you can't see, but I that's so why I was like, I, I need a second. Hold on. And I was like, I'm totally putting on my 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 jersey. I went with the Rajo, even though I know the kid's probably gonna be in Europe come summer. Um but it's just because yeah, I, I love what he did. Um he made front page of LA Times uh for what he's done for our community and I I think I know he's gonna pick up reds and yellows, but he's doing his job in that case. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I went I went with the Araujo, and and it's the proper number two. I know some people were saying that I think uh, it was wrong on the site, um, but but I just I like this feel of. I mean, it's an away kit, so you know you're not really sure when you're gonna be able to to see it played you know like you want to see it played at home you know (laughs) i definitely know that when fans are are in stadium like it's going to be a sea of um tech green and and black and gold you know and and uh but but i love that you know the white home kit is is nice but um this this is the feel that we were looking for it's it's our identity it's our culture it's getting back to who the galaxy are and just you know, reminded of that and like especially like an homage to like all the longtime fans. 
Um, and, and it makes you feel like, you know, you're honoring the past, but it's taking you into the future because it's got the new, you know, it's, it's, it's got the, it's got the white, it's got the stars, it's got, you know, it's, to me, it's, it's fabulous. I love it. I'm excited. And, and it really makes you feel like the kid is, is like a metaphor for what the team is going through. Right. And like where we're headed to. Yeah, it. I I've rarely seen a rollout of any product or any jersey, any legitimately any viable thing that hits the notes as well as this kit rollout did. I mean, this. I've never seen the fan base like ever since 2014. I think I haven't seen the fan, and even then, you know, I haven't seen the fan base just this fired up about something. And it's it's interesting because we, we talk a lot. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the galaxies weird relationship with its past like you know the first to five thing and everything and it's like you know and then we we, we've suggested that you know maybe it's a little bit too um a little bit too too much of a specter on this team that it's always never going to be good enough because Mm -hmm. the past has been good enough but you know i think what was so cool about it was the the jersey rollout video And and this is why i think you know, maybe we've changed that conversation a little bit because in the Jersey rollout video, you know, you had, I mean, Jorge Campos and, 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 you know, Harut in, in, in the Rose Bowl, but then you had Kevin Hartman and Greg Vanny, you know, who wore that kit and, or I don't think Kevin Hartman ever did, but um, Greg Vanny for sure did. Um, And Kevin Hartman just basically saying, this is what I'm talking about. Expletive removed. Um, You know, like, they, I think they understand that, you know, I think they're the, they were the perfect auditors of understanding that the galaxy sit one foot in the past, but that other foot has to be engaged in history. And that's why I love the idea of this galaxy team having two jerseys that explain two different gener or like not generations, but two different eras of the galaxy, you know, the 96 era that the, the Rose Bowl era, what, you know, kind of the rosy golds, you know, you watch the footage of those games and there's almost this like, I don't know how to explain it. This kind of like glow about those film clips, you know, like this, this weird kind of glow about them and this warmth kind of around them. And then Beckham arrives and then all of a sudden the galaxy rebrand is blue, white, and gold. And I love the fact that currently we sit with two jerseys that weighed that weird kind of difference in era is perfectly fine. Um, even if I have my complaints about the, the current blue, white, and gold kit, cause I think it's kind of ugly, but um, that color line, <laughs> oh, that color line, it's whack. Um, so I, I, and, and just, I mean, the more eternal video and like everything, it's just so good. And it's so good in a way that like, I don't think I've felt about the galaxy in a very long time. You know, like mm-hmm. I've always felt the galaxy, you know, it has always felt a little tone deaf over since 2014. Like when in the fifth kind of, I almost felt made them a little tone deaf. But now, like, it does feel that they're invested in a way. I mean, the community outreach that they're doing right now, which I love, Mm -hmm. like, it makes me so happy. Like, it just does feel like they finally kind of get it. And with the moves on the field, the moves off the field, it feels like we're finally pulling in a direction of, like, okay, hey, like, we've had some rough years, but we know exactly what we're doing, and we know exactly how to get it done. And that feels so good. And, like, seeing everyone the response on twitter for example like seeing everyone just like reacting the way they did it's amazing and it's so cool and like 
I mean, sure, it's it's a modern, it's modern, it's tech green and whatever name they used for black. That probably is some <laughs> branding thing that or that uh, Adidas does. And I understand that like Adidas did this because it's a they they know they could sell hand over fist on these. I get it. It's it's a business at the end of the day. I understand it. But this has such meaning. And like seeing the the modern crest in the old colors mm-hmm. was just such a cool moment for me because I think it finally does merge the histories in a way that feels satisfactory. And yeah, there's the honey thing on the shoulder and, and Herbalife on the front. And I'm of the personal belief that shirt sponsors <laughs> make everything look ugly and, you know, whatever have you. But I understand it. I get it. It's about monetization. I Whatever. Like that all aside. All of this just felt so good. And, 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 and maybe I'm overplaying it because past year has been so horribly stressful and so painful for all of us. But it was just a moment of joy and seeing a collective joy that just, I, it, it warmed me in a way that I haven't really felt in a long time. And like, they nailed this. And, and credit to Chris Thomas and everyone on the social media team because they killed it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, like that Amora Turno video is just so good and it's just so right. And it's like, all of this was so good. And like, I mean, they brought the right legends in and they, they touched on things that like are just touchstones in galaxy history that matter and feel good. And it just, Oh man, it, I can't say enough about it because it it just, it literally was just so good and it was just so brilliantly executed. And the galaxy, they, I just lost my train of thought, but, but what I was going to get at was, um, darn it. Anyways. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing is like, it's like, I kind of feel the same way because I feel like I can't say enough about this because yeah. it is so good. And it's like we could be here for hours just talking about like, like I, I feel with this kit in terms of having the, the modern crest with the five stars over it on the old colors, as I said earlier, just melds these these two very separate histories together, right? Like it yeah. does feel like, you know, there, there, were, there, there are two eras of the galaxy which is the, you know, the, the Rose Bowl era and then, you know, the, the old green and, and, and yellow and, and whatever have you. And then there's the signing of Beckham. There's the blue, white, and gold. And it does feel like those two histories have never really been able to be reconciled. You know, it, it does feel like it's two different eras. And it's like, it, it, almost, it almost feels like it's two different clubs. I think with this and the way that it is where everyone was talking about, you know, Oh, I can't wait to wear this with Julian Araujo's name on the back as, as, as you did it. Or for me, like, I can't wait to wear this with Jonathan Dos Santos' name on the back. Like, it does feel like it's merging those histories in a way that is incredibly satisfactory and incredibly like, yes, this is how it had to be done. And it's amazing. Yeah, I almost wasn't going to get a, a player's name, but it just, it looks so cool. It looks so good, you know? Um, and like you were saying about, about the moving into the future, you know, wave of the future. That's why I went with with Araujo and like I said, what he's done. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So the Galaxy have sent another president, right? Like all the other clubs started wanting to call their kids community kids. And it felt good to be top dog again. Like, oh yeah, this is the, which by the way, they haven't said what the number one jersey is, but this is, this was number two in MLS for jersey sold. So I love I, being on top again. I have a feeling this is going to be number one pretty quick. Um, and, and maybe I know, I'm already thinking about like, oh, I kind of do want the long sleeve. And you know what? I need to get like a size up. I want to grow into this. Like, <laughs> and, 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 
and maybe the communicate thing is again Adidas branding and doing whatever they do. You know, that's for well, what, yeah, but I mean they don't always get it right either. Yeah, well, no, I mean looked at the jerseys they unveiled last year. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, because we did we criticized a lot, especially like that whatever that digital wannabe thing was on the navy kit. You know, we we were all like, yeah, we were underwhelmed for Look, a really I mean, long time. Honestly, seeing Julian Araujo wearing that kit just was like, it, like, yes, you know, like this is what it should be. And yes. it does finally feel like, you know, after a couple of years, the Galaxy are kind of re-embracing. There was that hype video about two years ago that came out where it said, you know, um, you know, we respect the past while embracing our future. And I, I, I was like, this is, it was a phenomenal hype video, and, I, and I'll find it and try to tweet it out so I can, I can get it on the account. Um, and I, I'm a sucker for hype videos, just it's a thing. Um, but I remember it was like it was, we, we, we respect the past while embracing the future. And I was like, this isn't the season for that. This season in 2021 feels like the season for that. Like it does mm-hmm. just feel like we are embracing the past while planning for the future. And it does feel like. I'm, well, I mean, and, I, and it's true because, like, you know, we've got our noisy neighbors, unfortunately, you know, LAFC, who, you know, you got two teams in a big city, just like the the Clippers and the Lakers. Like, you're going to have that competition, right? So for us to be able to say, look, I get to wear all of the things that make the Galaxy great, the history, the stars, and then, like you said, looking forward, just knowing what it means to be a Galaxy fan and, and to say, you know, I'm loyal to this club and I've been following this club since since the beginning. And even for those of us who were not fortunate enough to be able to go to Pasadena Stadium and, and you know, the Rose Bowl and, and be there in 1996, you know, this is us acknowledging that, that history and saying, look, I'm still proud. I know where this team comes from. I know my club. This isn't just some... Um, you know, fashion statement. This right. is something that means something. And, and I, was, I was about to say, you know, I, I hate to do this, but, and you know me in terms of, and, and I hope our, our, our listener base knows, I am the most cautious person when it comes to this podcast. Like, you know, I, I'm always kind of like, are we sure this is what we think it is? Um, it does just feel like, finally, we've turned the corner. Like, finally, mm-hmm. there's a reason to believe that this club is run in a way that it needs to be run. It finally does feel like we're going to get there again. You know, like I think the prevailing years, it's never felt like that. And now it does again. And that is such a good feeling to have. And maybe it's me just looking for hope at a time when there's not a lot of it, but it does just feel like finally the LA galaxy are back. And maybe the season's not going to be great. And maybe, you know, there's so many questions around this team and so many questions. And, you know, like, for example, News Across the Galaxy tweeted out, like, you know, are we MLS Cup favorites? And I said, well, sure, if Jonathan Bond is a fantastic goalkeeper, if the defense can figure out how to get it done, if, you know, Chicharito scores 15, 20 goals, there's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. But, I, as I, I stress, patience, but it does just feel like this team finally is what the Galaxy should feel like again. And it's yes. so good. And I love when he said, like, welcome back, welcome to us, because I think that for the for too long, the, the Galaxy were, were in competition with LAFC. And so this this jersey makes you feel like, no, this is this is original. We don't need to compare ourselves to anybody else. And 
And look how it soared. Look how well received it was. I mean, for, uh, you know, in a pandemic when when times are tough, and I know that we were kind of joking and there's a hashtag rich galaxy fans trending, but like, like really to be able to say, you know what, I feel like this is an investment. Like this really reflects my beliefs in the team and the and the the culture of it. You know, it just it feels really really good to say this is mine and everybody else is looking at us again with envy. <laughs> yeah, it, it just this this feels so good, and I I like that's I think the only way you could put it. You know. Mhm. Mhm. And I know you wanted to talk about Bond a bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see kind of what, uh, what he can bring. I, I, I was watching some footage the other day. And, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for at least what I've seen. So I, I think if we can, if he can translate that out of, out of, out of England, and I know traveling is difficult and, you know, coming to a new league is, is tough, but I'm excited because I, I, I like what I see. And I, I'm interested because as we were talking earlier in this episode about competition, right? Like competition for position space because mm-hmm. in the context of the U.S. Women's National Team. But um, there's competition at the goalkeeper position right now for the Galaxy, which is Jonathan Klinsman or um, or Bond. And I think this is a very, this will be a very interesting storyline throughout the season is, is kind of how that competition works it out and who's, you know, who's starting on day one and opening day and, 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 and so on and so forth. By the way, we should co-opt baseball on that and call the first day of MLS opening day. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested to see the goalkeeper position moving forward. But again, I don't want to talk about it because I'm talking about this kit. It's just so good. Um, so. Yeah, I, and I was going to say, you know, we we can we can wrap this up here because there's definitely so much. I mean, look, we haven't even the, – they obviously haven't even taken the pitch yet. And we've already, you know, got that – desert showdown you know preseason that's still looming we haven't even got a chance to see anybody play so <laughs> and that's not that's not like like you said like that's not for another month like that's april you know third seventh tenth and um and the season starts april 12th so we've we've still got plenty of reasons to to keep keep recording keep watching <laughs> i guess i guess my final point on all of this is i haven't been this excited around a galaxy team in a very long time. And I know that there's so many questions and I know that, you know, it's not necessarily a glamorous squad, but I'm just excited. And it's, and that's just a, a good place to be, you know, like yeah. it's and been a while in the, in the Jersey once you get it. Yeah. Oh, no question. No question. You know, um, and also happy birthday, Landon Donovan. Oh yes. Happy birthday, Landon. Uh, one of the great, one of the great ones of all time. I, I want to see Landon Donovan in this kid. I understand that it would probably be sacrilegious considering he's coaching San Diego, I but <laughs> coaching the loyal, but I really love to see him in this kit, man. Uh, the galaxy just released uh, Derek Williams um, highlights Ooh. his reel. Yeah. So you can, you can check that out now. Um, yeah. So thanks again for listening, everybody stay tuned and we'll be coming back.